Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 3, Episode 260 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us once again as we begin our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials. We're looking at September the 13th to September the 19th, covering Doctrine and Covenants, sections 102 to 105. Today, we're going to look, start with Doctrine and Covenants, section 102, and we might get to the end of it as well. We'll see how we get on. But basically, section 102, wait for it, is a set of minutes uh, from the first meeting of the High Council of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, As someone who um, takes minutes for many meetings in the church, uh, it's fascinating that this um, is a a set of minutes, and it's obviously in the Doctrine and Covenants. I guess the question of why it is a set of minutes in the um, Doctrine and Covenants uh, is a good question. Um, this is obviously that. Well, this is edited minutes, as it were. It says in the uh, Joseph Smith Papers analysis, quote, um, on 17th February 1834, at a meeting that included priesthood holders and other members of the church, Joseph Smith oversaw the initial organisation of a standing President's Church Council in Kirtland, Ohio. Orson Hyde, the clerk of the meeting, noted in the minutes of that meeting that many questions have been asked during the time of the organisation of this council, and doubtless some errors have been committed. It was therefore voted by all presents that Brother Joseph should make all necessary corrections by the spirit of inspiration hereafter. Joseph Smith worked on amending the minutes the following day with all the strength and wisdom that he had, and presented the revised minutes featured here to a council of 62 priesthood holders and church members on the 19th of February, close quote. So it isn't just the minutes that we see here, but it's actually um, inspired revisions made by the prophet as well to make sure that they were as correct as they could be. Uh, but in this uh, meeting, there's a number of things that were uh, kind of addressed. It says further in the Joseph of Favors analysis, quote, these minutes also authorized high priests at remote locations to, when necessary, organize uh, similar temporary disciplinary councils, the decisions of which could be appealed to the standing high council of, at the seat of the general government of the church, then in Kirtland. Close quote. So in this section, we basically have the outline and the instructions and directions given for what we call in the church today membership councils. Um, these membership councils um, are basically a meeting of the High Council, in order to determine an important difficulty that had arisen in the Church. Uh, and often these important difficulties were situations where either the um, the safety of um, victims or innocent people are, are at play, or the repentance for the soul of the uh, person that had committed the transgression were were in danger, or the good name of the church was uh, a was something that was in jeopardy uh, because of the actions of an individual. Um, those are the three uh, factors or reasons given in that order. I think, from what I remember, uh, given in the general handbook of instructions. I know that the first one that is put in in that order is the the safety and well being of innocent members. 
Um, I'm pretty certain that the, the, the salvation or the repentance of the soul is second and the good name of the church is third. Um, but in this council, there is uh, meant to be uh, 12, 12 high councilmen. Interestingly, in verse 6, um, as an individual who has worked on and around a high council for, uh, well, it's over six years now, which is quite a long time. Uh, but uh, it says that the high council cannot have power to act without seven of the above named councillors or their regularly appointed successors as are present. So basically, um, decisions, sustainings and business in a high council can actually be performed by a minimum of seven of the high council. And so as a, as a state clerk now, that's a number that I'm very familiar with and just making sure we have that seven, uh, those seven high councils uh, at those meetings is a very important thing for any business uh, in the church, really. As we uh, move through the section, we, we see some specific uh, kind of procedures in regards to uh, membership councils or disciplinary councils as they were then. Uh, so in verse 12, as an example, uh, it says, whenever a high council of the Church of Christ is regularly organised according to the foregoing pattern, it shall be the duty of the twelve councillors to cast lots by numbers and thereby ascertain who of the twelve shall speak first, commencing with number one and, also, and so to the succession of number twelve. When this council convenes to act upon any case, the twelve councillors shall consider whether it's a difficult one or not. If it is not, two only of the councillors shall speak upon it according to the form above written. Now, um, in the section it talks about how one um, half of the council are, are appointed uh, to prevent insult or injustice. Uh, so what what is what's being spoken about there and what needs to be clear here is that you know sometimes we think that it's kind of for and against the council and that's not what it's for at all. At the high council, half of them are to speak uh, or, or, or are to make sure that the individual who is um, being spoken to or, or who is kind of coming, who has come forward uh, with, the, with the transgression, uh, their role on that council is to make sure that they are dealt with fairly and that they are looked after. I think that sometimes, particularly when the world kind of learns of these councils and um, puts their uh, judgments of these councils forward, uh, they they make it sound like that it's kind of twelve people or fifteen people, including the three the state presidency members, uh, bringing forward an individual and rebuking them and so on. Uh, but actually, it could be further from the truth that uh, when you have half of the of that council completely committed to making sure that you're dealt with fairly, you can't really argue that the individual is is being rebuked or is being uh, treated unfairly. Um, and the other half are also there to make sure that the church is protected as well. So to make sure that the facts are given, that everything is given fairly, and that uh, it's the kind of consequence of the church is also considered too. Um, having been part of a, a large, well, a number of these councils now in my, in my roles that I've had, um, I think it, well, before I was part of any of them, it was easy, I suppose, to, to suggest that uh, these councils are um, very difficult, uh, very scary, perhaps, uh, for some individuals, and that uh, that they are focused on judgments, I suppose. But having been part of a number of them now, and 
um, having witnessed a, a large number of them. Uh, again, it couldn't be further from the truth, certainly from the ones that I've seen. I mean, of course, I can't speak for all membership councils that have taken place in the church, but from what I've witnessed and from what I've seen, these membership councils are actually a wonderful opportunities of love uh, and of support uh, for the for those first of all who have been wronged and and who are potentially are uh, in not uh, are struggling with the, the choices of the individual. So that's something that is always considered. Uh, obviously, the good name of the church is always considered as well. But actually, the individual. Uh, who has committed the transgression, the individual is there at the at the High Council meeting. Um, every single time I, I have seen one of these meetings take place, um, they have walked away with an uplift of the spirit, with with a with feeling the support of the brethren, uh, and more importantly, with the support of the Saviour in their heart as well. Uh, and I think that that is what this is all about. It's Helping them to understand that whilst their mistake has a mistake has been made, all mistakes have been made. Um, there is hope that the atonement of Christ can reach them, and through the decisions of the council, uh, that that atonement will is is made applicable in their life, no matter what they've done. Uh, and then that is ultimately what this council is for. Um, th- there is a clear list of things in the general handbook of instructions, and this handbook is available to all members. There was a time that you know this handbook that spoke about the procedures and the criteria and all of these things like that was in a a different handbook than the general membership had, but now anyone anyone in the world can read this handbook and read about you know the the details and we're not going to go into any more of the details in this section because it is a very procedure based thing. Uh, but what is interesting for me uh, is to learn about and to, and to be able to share about how these councils. From what I've witnessed, every time have been uh, a council of love, and that it has been a great blessing to not only be a part of one it myself and and have learnt lessons from them myself, but for the most more importantly for the individual who is there, and of course those involved, um, that it is an opportunity for the love of Christ uh, to be made evident in their lives in a time where. Is we're talking crisis moments in people's lives, you know, huge moments um, of difficulty, uh, and so it's um, a blessing to have to have this revealed uh, to the prophets at this time, uh, and these minutes to have taken place really, uh, so that we can learn and benefit from them today. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this study. Please continue to follow the podcast uh, on all the platforms, and until you and until we meet again.